Hi, and welcome to the Fiercely Holistic Podcast with your hosts, functional nutritional therapy practitioners, Kristen Mihaly and Sierra Shea. With this platform, we're going to be your bold advocates, making healthy living achievable by providing small, tangible changes that will encourage your body to regain balance. I'm Kristen, board-certified holistic nutritionist and FNTP, owner of Nourish Holistic Health and Nutrition. I live on a farm in Bradford, New Hampshire with my hunter husband, Dean, our Newfoundland Edison, German Shepherd, Ovi, and an ever-expanding flock of chickens, ducks, and the bunny, Emmy Lou. I'm Ciara, Juris Doctor and FNTP, owner of Aura Nutrition and Wellness. I live on Long Island, New York with my incredible husband, Tim, beautiful baby girl, Libby, and two precious Yorkies, Dolce and Cole. Let's dive in. everyone and welcome back to the Fiercely Holistic Podcast. We are bringing to you part two of Jennifer Battaglino's interview tonight on hypnotherapy and we're going to focus on nutrition being a trigger for people. So Jen, welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be back. We're happy to have you. If you haven't listened to part one, we highly encourage all of you to go back. There's a lot of information there breaking down the benefits of hypnotherapy, who this can be helpful for, and how this can work to really unstuck, as Jen says, the brain. So what we wanted to do in this smaller episode is share with all of you how nutrition can be a trigger for people and how we can work to maybe unravel those relationships with food. So Jen, in your clinical practice, how have you seen food affect, whether positive or negative, people's mm-hmm. lives? So typically, because of my profession as being a therapist, they're coming to me because it has negatively affected their lives. So with that said, someone's coming in with whether it's weight loss, whether it's trying to be healthier, whether they're diabetic and want to be turned off to sugar and carbs, whatever it might be. Um, and I know we discussed this the first time we've spoken about the idea of straight hypnosis or regression. Again, depending on the issue, I'll do one or the other. So I actually can do a a hypnosis session of straight suggestion where it can turn you off to your, your cravings and things like that. But on the other hand, again, depending on how deep rooted something is, I did work with a woman who came in and in uncovering really what's behind when they have the urge to eat when they're not hungry or the urge to eat something that's unhealthy or that they shouldn't have, whatever the behavior is. And so if I just use this woman for a moment as an example, she came in, very successful entrepreneur, had her own practice in law and came in and over the course of several sessions and doing regression, what unsurfaced was her mother. (laughs) And so, and it's not always the mother, everybody, but the idea of her mother really hounded her over the course of her life and as a child about being a little bit overweight. You'll never get a man. You'll never get married. Someone a little bit thinner is going to get the job over you. And it was all about weight. Again, we, when, we, when we've talked about conditioning and the subconscious, somewhere in there is that defiant child still going, uh-uh, I'll show you. I'm going to do all these things with that weight on. 
And when she realized, and she's like, huh, my mother still has a hold on me, things started to change. And once we resolved the fact that this wasn't about proving to somebody who was important to her, the idea of, okay, whatever it meant to her, let's eat healthy or let's take care of myself, you know, for my reasons, not for what I'm trying to prove to somebody else. It was almost like just mourning the fact, letting it go and realizing that she's going to take care of herself versus trying to prove to somebody that she doesn't need to prove it to. So we all have influences of how we eat, whether it's cultural, whether it's our upbringing. And so sometimes you get into those habits and there's conditioning. Sometimes with this woman, there's more to it. There's an association with the relationship with food. Sometimes it's metabolism. And I know as nutritionists, you could speak to that long before I could. Well, I was going to say, I think it's important to know, like, there are sometimes, you know, physiological reasons Mm -hmm. that you have cravings. However, there are many habits and psychological issues around food that people, I don't want to say fail to recognize, but I don't think give enough weight to. It's a really great point because sometimes people will come to me, they want the quickie. I just need one session. I want you to like tell me not to eat A, B, C, D, and the next 20 things and I'm done. And I'll say, but after talking to you for a little bit, I think there's more to it than just willpower. And they don't want to do the work. I I shouldn't say that. It's scary. The implication that there's an emotional piece behind it, they're not ready to address that. Yeah. And so this is a different client years ago who she she was single, wanted to be married at an age where she was worried about whether she was going to have children or not, you know, low self-esteem. And again, she would say, I'm not hungry, but around 11 o'clock at night when I'm alone, you know, you hear all the words, right? Mm-hmm. In my bed, I'll eat an entire bag of chips because it feels good, right? It's comfort. It's soothing. It's all these things. But she wasn't ready to hear that. Right. So she stopped coming to see me. You know, a year later, she came back when she was ready to do it. Some people come back, some people don't. But the idea of if you're not ready to go there yet. I see this with clients all the time. Yeah. And, and, and the, the ones that are most successful are the, are honestly the ones that have a therapist that they're working with simultaneously and in conjunction with, with the food piece. Because I think there is like definitely a need and a space when it comes to this food portion to work with a professional to empower you in terms of the right food choices for your Mm -hmm. body. Mm -hmm. But there are so many habitual psychological pieces that do need to be dug into that Kristen and I as FNTPs aren't qualified to do. As much as I'd love to say like, girl, you have like (laughs) deep-seated issues around food. This is not about the Oreo. This is about your relationship with the Oreo represent. Right. And I can't talk to you about what the Oreo represents. I could just say like it's processed garbage and does nothing for your system. (laughs) So that's a far as I could go. And also, Sierra, don't you see in practice if a client will do a food journal and and do it honestly, and then we'll start to see Mm -hmm. patterns like, oh, I'm always bloated Monday mornings. Well, what do you eat Sundays? Well, every Sunday since I was a little girl, we'd have pasta. Right. Like I have to do that. I have to honor my family. I have to do this. Or we'll see patterns like, okay, I'm stressed and I eat ice cream when I'm stressed. No one ever eats like celery when they're stressed. (laughs) So what we find out is 
And this is something where Sierra and I, Jen, always talk about building your team to get to optimal health because like C was saying, we aren't qualified to dive into this mental aspect. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting though when clients will give us these little pearls of information. I had a client say once, every time I'm stressed, I eat ice cream. And I was like, oh, when did that start? And she was very profound with this. She's like, it started in third grade. I fell off my bike. Yeah. And after You're I fell off my bike, yeah. I went home and I was like bleeding. You know, I had a, a scuff on my knee and my mom gave me ice cream. Yep. And she's like, and now vanilla, it had to be a certain brand. It had to have vanilla, the specs, like not just vanilla, like French yeah. vanilla. The, yeah, the vanilla uh, bean. Yes, the vanilla yeah. bean. She's like, and when I'm stressed, that's what I eat. Wow. Because she needs the overlap. Like when I right. said it, she needed the positive overlap to trigger the good feelings. Here's the other thing. I'm going to use a quick example because when I first started doing hypnosis, I would do smoking. I had this woman, she had her eyes closed and I would say, thank God her eyes were closed. I would say, when you find that motivation of why you want to be smoke-free, just say it out loud. Now, this is a woman in her early 60s, has grown children. Now, this is where we get to judge-free zone, right? But the judge, we're still human. You would think she'd say, I want to live longer. I want to see my grandchildren. I want this. She says out loud, I don't want to have to paint the inside of my apartment anymore because she would smoke and it would make the walls yellow or whatever color they would brown. I don't smoke. So whatever color they turn and periodically she would paint the walls white again. Now, there are plenty of people when I tell that story, like, really, it wasn't because, you know, she wants to live. What? I go, I don't care. She was honest with herself. She stopped smoking. So what does it matter? Which I'm now going to lead to. And Kristen knows, you know, I was very, you look at my children, you look at, you know, your mother and I, and our whole lives, we were thin. I never had to watch what I had to eat. And it almost became a thing. People be like, look how much Jen's eating and she's a rail. And so it becomes, you know what I mean? It's almost like that trait gets attached to you. And as I got older and had children, you know, I hit 40 and all of a sudden I have to watch what I eat to not gain weight. It's not even I'm watching what I eat to lose weight. And I remember that struggle of my own self-awareness. And one day it hit me. It's like, I resent the fact that I have to watch what I eat, right or wrong. That really was it. It was almost like my authority issues even trailed into my own authority of telling myself what to do. I was actually annoyed that I was trying to control my own own behavior, if that makes sense. Totally and does. I, and so when you start to resolve that, your behavior changes. Whether somebody places value on your reasons or not, your motivation or not, it's yours. And the more you recognize it, the more you can make that change. You know, if it's painting the walls and you're better off and your behavior changed for the better, more power to you. So I think Kristen and I talk a lot about you know, these journeys could be hard to to find your optimal mm-hmm. health. You can have a lot of judgment. You could have a lot of people not agreeing with you. You can feel ashamed because you didn't like the person you became and now you're changing and people don't understand that. I mean, like Kristen and I, we've dealt with that for sure. Like yes. we're super, we live very holistic lives and there's always comments about the way we eat or the things we do or like, oh, you know, Ciara's going to come. So she's not going to eat this thing. It's annoying. And I think it's very frustrating for people that feel like they need to be given permission to do Mm -hmm. the thing that feels right. And you don't need to be given permission. And if you do, you have our permission. 
right? Like yeah. now you have the permission to so do the thing. Right. Um, so one other thing I want to say, and then I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Um, it's going to be specifically about disordered eating. And I think it would be really helpful if you could maybe talk us through like that for some people. But I want to say there is a difference between an eating disorder and disordered eatings. So for anyone interested in learning more about this, Kristen and I had an episode way back in the baby, baby beginnings of our podcast where we had a really good friend of ours on. She was also an FNTP. I actually went to school with her and um, we had a really deep conversation about what disordered eating could look like. And so if any of you are listening to this and feel like you have a questionable relationship with food, a negative relationship with food, where you're sitting in bed at 11 o'clock at night eating an entire bag of chips, that may be labeled as disordered eating. It is not the same as an eating disorder like anorexia or bulimia. I just wanted to say that because I think it's important to understand that disordered eating is a thing. Yeah. And And it's different. I love the point you just made. Yeah. And it's different. So I do want to honor that. So for anyone who is interested in learning more about that, it's in the very beginning of our podcast, one of the episodes with Becca. Any chance you recall which episode it is? Yes. I think it is actually episode 16. Great. Thank you. I should have said that before. So thank you for bringing that up. So all of our listeners easily know now. (laughs) But I'd love, Jen, can you talk to us, you know, in rounding out this episode a little bit, giving some people some tools and tips and tricks to understanding how hypnotherapy could work in terms of helping them through this disordered eating pattern to get to the other side? Sure. So the idea is hypnotherapy, the regression I've talked about, what that does is that can uncover the triggers. It can extinguish and take the power away from those triggers. So I always say some type of therapies, they don't care how you got there. They just want to change your behavior. Other techniques want to get to the root of why you're doing what you're doing, because if we can resolve that, then there's nothing under the surface that is triggering the behavior anymore. It's resolved. So this type of therapy can do both depending on the technique. I do actually am more in favor of getting to the root. If we know why you do what you do and how you do what you do, and we can get that insight to create a cognitive change, it's a permanent change. It's, a, it's more likely to be a permanent change because now you know what makes you tick. Now you know what's under the surface, that kind of current that causes you to be who you are and to make those choices and to eat the chips at 11 o'clock or eat the pasta on Sunday or whatever it might be. And so once you have that, it's amazing how empowered you are to now have control over that decision. Right. Because that's it. You'll then be able to make the choice. It's not to say like, I'll never have a chip again. It's to say, I want to have a chip when I want a chip. I don't want to have to feel like ravenous and like all I'm thinking about is the chip over and over and over and over, like obsessive. Yeah. Um, I think that's so interesting. And I think this could be an incredible therapy for people that are really wanting to take their nutritional therapy journey one step further. Yeah, yeah. And there's something, something you said before that I want to comment on quickly. It was something when you were saying about how like you said, you and Kristen order a dish a certain way. And I, we've all been there where someone goes, I just had it happen the other day. I, I'm seeing results from what I'm doing, right? And it motivates you to keep doing it. Thank you, Kristen. Um, with that, You're said, welcome. <laughs> I ordered, you know, I had 
sweet potato fries, but I ordered the burger without the bun. The person I'm sitting with, why didn't you get the bun? You know, and I start to explain. And then, oh, come on, you're doing so well. Just get the bun. You're going to enjoy the bun. I always joke that as human beings, we think we're so evolved, but we really aren't. So primally, right? I want you to be a mirror to me because if you mirror me, there's no challenge. There's no threat. It agrees with my belief system. It agrees with everything I do. And so down to little things, if I find out you're a vegetarian and I eat meat, I don't say, how dare you? But I might go, oh, what made you become a vegetarian? Did you choke on a fish bone? Did you not like the way they treated the animals? I'm trying to, even though I'm inquisitive, I'm also at the same trying to figure out why it's okay for you to be a vegetarian and why it's not wrong for me to eat meat. Once I can get somewhere where I go, oh, okay, that's why. And therefore now it can justify why I still eat meat. Life is good again. But when people see you being different and it doesn't mirror back what I've been taught and how I eat, it's, it's again, I'm getting primal. It's a potential threat. I so, think it's actually a really interesting point. I have this thing again about we all kind of fit into a script, right? As we grow up, what, member of the family, if you're known as the funny one, the smart one, the out there one, the jock, whatever it is, we take on these roles in our families. Now you want to start to rewrite your script. Well, if you rewrite your script, everybody else has to rewrite theirs and they may not want to do that. So I always say it's like the scene in The Godfather, I don't know if you never seen, where he's trying to get out of the family and Pacino's in the kitchen. He goes, every try to, time I get out, they try to pull me back in again. Because if you change, the ripple effect is I have to change right? and adapt and maybe look at myself. But at the very least, I have to change too. And so I'm resistant to going on that journey with you because you're a reminder of what I'm not doing. Gosh, I think that's such a great point that you're making because Kristen and I see this often where partners will like sabotage Yep. Their, their other partner's nutritional therapy journey and make fun or be like crunching the chips right in front of their face, like really immature, obnoxious behaviors. But that makes sense. Primarily, it's a threat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because wow. You're, because you're not doing it my way. Yeah. And now listen, that doesn't make it okay. Like no. that's not, oh, no, that's no. not saying they should be doing that, but I'm saying like, you're saying it's, it's an understanding of why, and it may actually make it if easier to deal with. Right. Here's yeah. the thing. I can understand why you're doing what you're doing and it depersonalizes it. Right. It's simply because you're another human being in the world, not because you've got something against me personally, but just simply because this is a human behavior and I can depersonalize that, then you can't get under my skin. And it helps me to feel empowered to stay on my path because I'm not taking it personally. I, you don't get me going. I don't go, Sierra, really? We're gonna, you're going to chomp on the chip? Right. And now here I go in that emotional state. And I'm more likely to just kind of cave because it's easier to cave than to have the argument versus you don't get under my skin. I stay calm. It diffuses the situation. I eat my burger without the bun and we move on. I say to you, it's okay if you've got the bun. Some people eat the bun, some people don't. Thank you. Okay, so my final question, Jen, that was beautifully said, is how can people start to unravel this kind of messy ball of string that can be our brains 
mm-hmm. when there's this trigger or connection with food. So do you have any like three takeaways we could give our listeners to start to say, okay, this is what I can do to make an action step for bringing my health back into a good place. Okay. So the first thing is defining a habit. So by definition, a habit is something that at some level you do, and people will use different words, subconsciously or unconsciously. So I could be biting my nails and then I realize I'm biting my nails, right? It's, it's autopilot. And so that's the idea of defining a habit. One of the best initial ways is to interrupt that because you want to interrupt the autopilot. So, and we are going to apply this to food in a moment. Someone wants to quit smoking and the interruption does not have to be meaningful. It only has to be an interruption because we want to interrupt the autopilot, right? So someone who wants to quit smoking, before you light the cigarette, you have to do 10 jumping jacks or you have to walk up and down a flight of stairs or you have to go to the other side of the house, touch a wall and walk back to where the cigarettes are. What that does is it delays. It allows you to interrupt the impulse and the autopilot to bring you out of the habit and into your conscious mind to help you sort of override and have a chance at making a change in the decision. So again, what's interesting about the brain is it doesn't have to be meaningful. It's not like you get up and have to say out loud, I'm smoke-free 10 times. Now, if you can find something meaningful, even better. But what's nice about this is it really, the goal is to interrupt. So if somebody has the urge to order something, they're out to dinner, they're at their favorite restaurant, and they always get whatever the meal is that you are now telling them, that's not healthy for you. You can go to that restaurant, but please don't order dessert, you know, and whatever it is. And again, I'm not a nutritionist to know what you might or might not recommend, but now they go, okay, well, now it comes time for dessert. One thing is interrupt, order a glass of water first, get up and use the ladies room, come back and don't put the menu in front of you the the way it normally is. Because again, we don't want that overlap to trigger you to do the old behavior. So that's the next step is to change the routine in some way. So again, as much as I'm saying interrupt, the other piece of that is changing the routine because it pulls you out of your habit. So you don't want to put your brain back in the script I was just talking about. You want to rewrite the script. So changing your pattern eliminates even if it's temporarily, to give you time to get more control over your choice, it temporarily gives you that little boost to ha- to be able to make a better choice for yourself. Am well, I making sense? Yeah, I was going to say along those lines, I want to share one trick I learned um, in reading the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. Is mm-hmm. It's a fascinating book, okay. but he speaks to... Um, people that are looking to lose weight and shifting their habits. Mm-hmm. One of the most powerful things you could do, and this goes to like the third piece of this step, the third step that you were just talking about, is go to a different grocery store. Yep. Because in the grocery store you normally shop at, you go on autopilot and you know where all the junk foods are. Yep. If you go to a new grocery store, you don't know where they are. That's exactly it. You're yeah. now in a different you're in a different setting and, you know, listen, on a completely different note, and Kristen knows this, I grew up going to New Hampshire in the 
we get to New Hampshire, my kids will joke as we cross the border. It's time to ask mom for anything because she will say yes. Yeah, and it's so funny. Because when we're in New Hampshire, nothing can go wrong. I literally say yes to everything <laughs> because what do I associate it with? Happy. Yeah. You know, I'm carefree the minute I get there. I smell the pine and I'm like, okay, ask me for a pony and it's yours. Yeah. So like you're saying, that's, you know, that's anchored with that experience. So going to a new grocery store is perfect. Going to a different restaurant for a little bit is perfect. You know, going to a restaurant that you know in advance, you look at the menu online or, you know, whatever it is, and you see there are things here I can order that I can also enjoy. And so it's true. Breaking that habit and not giving yourself all those signals to tell you to make the same choice again. For now, until you get more control over that, eliminate or change those signals. Awesome. You know, does that make sense? Totally. I love it. And I I tend to say, does that make sense all the time? Because I always want to make sure. No, I think it's good. I think it's like confirming. And yes, it's very clear and it makes a lot of sense. And I Mm -hmm. think it's empowering and it's tangible and something people could do tomorrow. They don't have to wait for an appointment with you. They, I mean, I think that's very important that you find a qualified professional, but I do think sometimes it's really good to know that there are things that are within your control and capacity to do without a professional's help. And something like pattern interrupt or changing your routine is really, really, really important. This is so wonderful having you on. We are incredibly grateful. I feel like we could have you back on and talk about like 15 other topics. So maybe we will. Um, Maybe we'll eventually have you back on. But we we so genuinely appreciate the time you took and just sharing with us and all of our listeners this really incredible, powerful modality. And you're so smart. Um, So yeah, thank you so much for your time and everything. Thank you. It was a pleasure and an honor to speak to both of you. It really was a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Fiercely Holistic podcast. If you love this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave a review to help us grow. You can find Kristen at nhhnutrition.com and Ciara at auranutrition.com. If you have any thoughts, questions, or topics you'd like us to cover, please email us at fiercelyholistic at gmail.com. The information provided in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. The views and opinions expressed during this series are solely those of the individuals involved.